Welcome to Massive Late Fee. And now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me as always is my girlfriend, Carol. How are you doing, Carol? Hey, what's up? Not much. It's been a good week. It's, uh, what is it, June 9th, 1995. Can you believe that we have been doing these tapes for more than 18 months? I know. It's crazy. It is nuts. It's nuts. <laughs> mm, Speaking nuts. of... I want some nuts. How about roasted nuts? What? Nuts. Okay. Want some nuts. Okay. Roasted, huh? Yeah. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> Salted or unsalted? I would like them roasted over chestnuts roasted over an open fire. Well, that's what you want is chestnuts? No, they're gross. Yeah, I don't like chestnuts either. What's your favorite type of nut? I like those like cinnamon almonds. Oh, those are good. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh so speaking of nuts, and by that I mean insanity. <laughs> the OJ trial. Ooh. So I've got my free press back. And yeah, it's fun. I've been going through some stories. Uh, Obviously, you know, the big story uh, dating back. But um, but the big story is uh, good old Terry McNichols and Timothy McVeigh, Michigan's own. (laughs) (laughs) Yay again. Who, uh, as you know, now are the prime suspects in the bombing of the. Uh, Oklahoma City Federal Building. Tragic there. Uh, So we'll see. We'll see what happens to them. Their their trial goes on. But this one, the OJ trial, apparently uh, there was... They showed autopsy photos at the... Yeah, at the trial. Um, I don't think they televised them. Pretty sure that they didn't. I didn't watch them if they did. So, you know, I don't have... uh, I don't, I don't have that kind of information, but uh, apparently the jury was quite shaken by them. Uh, OJ apparently wiped away some tears uh, upon seeing them. Hmm. Well, you know he is an actor, so <laughs> Carol's very convinced that OJ did it. I'm, Crocodile tears, as they would say, right? right? I'm glad they didn't actually show them on TV. I hope they didn't anyway. That seems like it would be pretty traumatizing. Yeah, I can't imagine. Um, from what I've heard, it's quite, it was quite graphic, you know, what's, what happened to them. So, but that's the, uh, the, the prosecution says that they, maybe they mishandled things a little bit in the showing of the autopsy photos. Hmm. Uh, maybe they were a little too graphic or, or whatever. Uh, and they've, but they said that it doesn't deter the evidence that, you know, was gathered in these autopsies. So I don't know. I mean, if you believe in DNA, this you know the, this new evidence that they that they're trying to to put forth here, it seems it seems likely he did it, right? But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm, I'll tell you what though, a prominent black athlete, you know the the riots were like what three years ago, so. A prominent black athlete, if he's found guilty of this, what's going to happen in L.A.? I don't know. We'll see. 
they're already angry at the police. Incredibly, uh, they have been for a while. You know the Rodney King thing and and all that stuff and four hundred years of slavery. Um, <laughs> right. Um. So if they find OJ, that that's my worry is if they find OJ guilty, you know, and and people think the cops kind of set him up and all this stuff, then what what happens there? Well, I mean, hopefully. Welcome to our comedy show. <laughs> Yeah, Hopefully, you know, either way, whether he's found guilty or not, you know, people will keep their, their cool because if he's found guilty, he might have done it. He might have been framed. We don't know that. That's another trial. I mean, right. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I hope uh, I hope for everyone's sake that justice is done. Right. But, yeah, that's I mean, I, I haven't had a lot of time to really go through things. So there wasn't there's not much. As far as news goes. Oh, the other thing, though, hmm. is the Red Wings. And I know you don't like to talk about sports, but the Red Wings are on the verge of the Stanley Cup final. Oh, that's exciting, though. I like I like the Red Wings, and I would like them to get the Stanley Club, Cup. I the, mean, the Stanley Club. The Club, yeah. The Stanley Clap. I mean, it's a, uh, it's a very specific you know, uh, uh, venereal disease <laughs> to only hockey players. The Stanley Clap. Wow. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I'm yawning. I need to get more sleep. Apparently. <laughs> anyway, so, or the show is just that boring to you? No, I'm just tired. The So, yeah, they're they're on the verge of the Stanley Cup. They're uh, playing the Chicago Blackhawks. And we'll see. We'll see what happens there. But I'm pretty sure they're going to make it. Will it be on TV? <laughs> <laughs> I wish we were filming this. So that everyone could see the the look of incredulity I just gave Carol. <laughs> yes, the Stanley Cup playoffs is on TV. I think we should watch it. Okay. <laughs> what do you think the NHL is? They just like just some club. <laughs> well, I mean, not all the they're games playing, are on TV. They're playing down at uh, you know a local pond. <laughs> Maybe they'll drag some some VHS cameras out there so that we can watch it on channel one hundred and ninety. No. Yeah, yeah, it'll be televised. Okay. <laughs> cool. <laughs> oh my goodness. Anyway, so speaking of cool, we saw the coolest movie in the world. No, we did not. No, it was the coolest movie in the world because it's been pretty hot and that air that air conditioning in that theater was glorious. Yeah, that that part was good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But yeah, we saw Dahard with a vengeance for our anniversary. That's what that's what he chose to watch for our anniversary. That's it wasn't insane. for the anniversary. It wasn't like let's celebrate our anniversary with an action movie. When did we go see it? <sighs> Whatever. No. Just do you think it was for our anniversary? No, I think it was for making a tape, but it was on our anniversary. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, we we saw it. We saw it. Mm-hmm. What'd you think? I want your thoughts. Your I want your initial thoughts, and then we'll go kind of go through it. Well, okay. I didn't see the first two Die Hard movies, so right. you know I, I'm just going off of what you told me. Mm-hmm. And initially, it had me. Like okay. I was hooked. Like I was into this movie. And at some point, it lost me. Like it starts out strong. I think. Mm-hmm. You know. Like the sandwich board down in um, Harlem. Yeah. 
that's that's genius and hilarious. I mean, the whole scene was it was great, but I don't know. It's just like I don't know an hour and a half into the more than two hour long movie. That's the biggest it problem. It felt like it was over, but it wasn't over. And then I started to think that it would never be over, and I was trapped in some kind of like <laughs> dimension of it was hell a Twilight with Zone episode, Bruce Willis right? and Samuel L. Jackson. So it was a Twilight Zone episode. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So length is an issue. Uh, pacing is an issue. Yes. Uh, th- those those are the two the two biggest issues. In the movie. This is, again, directed by John McTiernan, who directed the first movie and also directed Predator. Very, very good action director. And a lot of this movie works, but where it fails, it really fails. Right. And yeah, length of the film is, is an issue, and pacing is pacing is a big issue. It's a very poorly paced film. Uh, but, real quick... I wanted to drop some knowledge for you. Ooh, let's do it. Uh, and see if you can be amazed by this. <laughs> Originally, the first Die Hard movie is based on a book. Ooh. <laughs> no, it's based on a book. I can't remember the name of the writer, but it's based on a book called, I think, what is it called? Something about Tomorrow is... Tomorrow's never enough or something. I don't know. Like, uh. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the first book in this series yes. was written by uh, was written by this guy, and they made it into a movie. I think it was called The Detective, and it starred Frank Sinatra. Okay, this movie came out in like the the late or the early seventies. Did you see it? Yeah, I saw it in the theater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw it in utero. Well, I know, I know how much you love Sinatra, so I figured you f- we'd work something out. But anyway, so yeah, I have a, I have a time machine, but I only use it to uh, <laughs> I only use it to watch movies and listen to music. Yeah, forget about humanity. I've seen uh, <laughs> Sinatra live at the Copacabana five times. Wow. Um. Anyway, and he never takes me. <laughs> You'd look good in uh, like nineteen forties apparel. Thanks. Anyway, so. I, the the movie, the detective, Sinatra, yes. right? Sinatra had a deal in his contract that if they ever made a sequel, there was no sequel book, but if they ever made a sequel to the movie, uh, that he, you know, with this character, that he would get to play it again. Oh, or really? He, or he had right of first refusal. Okay. So, this writer, who's I think it was Robert something. I wish, really wish I could remember his name. He wrote a sequel years later. Like, he'd had a dream, and he wrote this sequel and everything. And, you know, same detective and everything. He was close to, ret- he was, like, retired. He's basically pulled out of retirement, but all this, like, crazy action stuff happens to him. And they decide they're going to make this into a movie. Someone said, hey, you know, we can make this into a good movie. They changed a lot of plot elements and everything. But when they went, and that became Die Hard, when they went to make it, though, because it was technically a sequel, mm-hmm. they had to offer it to Frank Sinatra, <laughs> like 74-year-old Frank Sinatra. Oh, that's funny. Who said, no thanks. <laughs> of course. I'm retired from acting. I, I do, like, four concerts a year, and um, no, I don't want to do an action <laughs> movie. 
So Do you even imagine? Like, that would have been ridiculous. I, I think they would have just had to choose to not make the movie. I, I guess, yeah, because the thing is, is they like I said, they made it, compl- it's not completely different from the book, but it, there's a lot of changes mm-hmm. in the movie from the book. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was like, I don't, I can't, their vision wouldn't have fit with Sinatra. No, of course not. So, yeah, I don't it's know. It's not grumpier old men. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know what they would have done. Yeah. But yeah, they, so luckily Sinatra turned it down, and then they—I think they offered it to—I think they they offered it to Schwarzenegger, I believe, and I think they offered it to Mel Gibson. They offered it to a few different people, you know. Basically, anyone that was because the movie came out, like I said, like in '88, mm-hmm. you know. So anybody that was popular in the late '80s, they kind of offered it to, and then eventually, like everyone turned it down, and then eventually, they got Bruce Willis, who was up and coming at that point. So. Poor Bruce Willis, like, he's all down on the list. But like you said, it was a big well, break he was, for him then. He was only known for Moonlighting at the time, that TV show with uh, Sybil Shepherd. Okay. And, and um, you know, uh, that movie Blind Date. And that's basically, he was known as like a comedy guy, not uh, an oh, action that's funny. guy. And, yeah, this was like, this was his big break, you know. So, anyway. So they, you know, they made this one, they made the second one, and now they've made the third one. The first one is a classic of cinema. The second one is... Ugh. second one's fine, I guess. It's not terrible, but it's the, essentially the same movie again. And then the... Only it's in an airport instead of, you know, instead of in a building. Mm-hmm. And now it's all of New York <laughs> in this one. Uh, they just keep getting bigger. But uh, this one, I think, like like I said, at the beginning, it was good. So we'll go through the plot. For those of you that know Die Hard, uh, Hans Gruber, Mr. Cowboy, uh, <laughs> was the bad guy, and he obviously dies. We get a very quick flashback of that uh, very iconic scene from, from Die, the original Die Hard, which is funny to me. It's just like... If you guys don't... If you guys didn't see Die Hard, okay, here's what happened. Just like... <laughs> right? If people didn't see it, that doesn't really give them anything. And if they did see it, then they don't need that. So it was weird, but it was I, a weird cut in. I wonder if they had to pay that dude. Alan Rickman? Yeah, I wonder if he got royalties for that use of that. Probably like, did, yes. couple seconds. He of... probably did. Good for him. Alan, remember that time that we pushed you down without <laughs> uh, telling you that we were going to push you? And you got that incredibly genuine look of shock on your face? We're going to use that again in a movie, okay? As long as I get my money. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, this time around, the villain, as we find out, is named Simon, and it's Simon Gruber. It's Hans Gruber's brother. It seems kind of ridiculous. It, it, it's You know what it smacks of, of to me? Jaws the Revenge. <laughs> Where it's like the original Jaws, great movie, great suspense movie, Steven Spielberg, Roy Scheider, all that stuff, right? Robert, uh, what's his name? You know. I don't know. You know. I do not. Yes, you do. I'm sorry. Roy Scheider, Richard Dreyfus, and not Robert Preston. Uh, I can't think of his name. Literally, the only thing I remember about Jaws is we need a bigger boat. Or we're going to need a bigger boat or something yep. like that. That yep. Yeah, that's it. Uh, anyway. Dun-dun. But then when I hear that, it makes me think of Salsa, salsa Shark. 
salsa shark. Oh, from the uh, that Clerks movie yeah. we watched last year. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, first one's great, right? They get progressively worse as it goes along. But then Jaws the Revenge, it's like, so it starts out, it's just a shark, okay? Right. And then by the time we get to Jaws the Revenge, it's like, oh, it's uh, an evil entity that uh, <laughs> is seeking revenge and swam all the way down the coastline from Amity to Florida or the Caribbean or wherever they are. Wow. Yeah. Although my cousin and I, Alex, love that scene where they're... Um, they're looking for oysters because they're looking for pearls and stuff. And the guy's like, "Come on, man! You gotta, you know, you can find them. The uh, hard on the outside, uh, mushy on the inside. Open your eyes, man!" <laughs> but anyway, so it, that's what it reminds me of: is that craziness. By the way, real quick, at the at the end of or the origin of Jaws, the book by Peter Benchley, uh, Jaws basically dies from attrition. They they are shooting harpoons into him and stuff like that. They're baiting him with chum. They're sh- shooting harpoons. Eventually, he just, like, bleeds out. That's mean. Well, it's a shark that's terrorizing and eating people on the coast, so they got to do something. But that's mean. Like, can they do something faster? Can well, they, they do, blow him up? They do in the movie. But the, the thing is, is it's a realistic ending for the book. Mm-hmm. But Steven Spielberg realized that's not... A satisfying conclusion to this story. So in the movie, uh, they get Jaws to bite like a tank or something like that. Roy Scheider fires a gun at the tank; it explodes, and the and the shark explodes. And Peter Benchley said to Steven Spielberg, "He's like, this is ridiculous. This would never happen. It would not happen this way. It doesn't. Right. You know, it makes no biological sense. It makes no sense in physics. You know, no one is going to buy this." And Steven Spielberg said, "If they've come with me this far." They'll believe it. Hmm. That's why he's a good filmmaker because he understands that principle, right? Uh, and every and it is it's an iconic scene in the movie. But anyway, so that's what this reminds me of. It reminds me of Jaws: The Revenge, the worst Jaws movie in the in the way that it's like, oh, it's Simon Gruber's brother, and it doesn't have to, or Don Gruber's brother, and it doesn't have to be. Right? There is nothing about this movie that is enhanced by making him his brother. Maybe they really just wanted to pay Alan Rickman. I guess so. <laughs> and Jeremy Irons is also English, so yeah. I don't know. Oh, that was the funniest part about this movie to me was the terrible American accents. And it's and the their German accent isn't that good either. I mean, no offense, Jeremy Irons, you're a great actor, but the German accent's not that good either. Right. Because I take German class and and it's yeah, bad accents all around. But yeah, the American accents were like, like who is that fooling? Right. Like, I can't even do what they did. Like, it it's was like, kind of like a Texan. Yeah. We're, hey, hey there now, Bob. It's like, <laughs> we're going to, it's going to take a fortnight to get. <laughs> it's like, it, it was terrible. It's like, do we really sound like that to you? Right. It's like, it, it was like, it'd be like, it's, it's the equivalent of Dick Van Dyke doing in a British accent. Okay. Well, hello, Maury. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's as bad as it is. Their, their American accent's terrible. I love Dick Van Dyke so much, it doesn't even phase me. No, I know. It's a jolly old day with Mary. It's, like, <laughs> it's a terrible, terrible accent. But anyway, so uh, they... Uh, uh, okay, so at the beginning, like she said, Simon calls the police department. There's a bit, There's been a big explosion at some department store. And he's like, hey, you know that explosion at the department store? That was me. And they're not like, can you prove that? He's just, they're just like, oh, okay. 
Right. And so it's you. <laughs> All right, we're we're just gonna believe this. And they're like, and he's basically we don't know this till we see the sign, but it's a big reveal. And this actually works really well too. Uh, but he says, "Hey, get me John McClane, and I want you to take him to Harlem and have him wear a Simon sign sandwich board that says, I hate the N word, and and then you know the hard R and all yeah. <laughs> uh, written out." On this board. So, right in the middle of Harlem. So, that, that's... So in his underpants. Yeah. So, I think he... Do you think he wants him to die? Yeah. Because does he really... He doesn't necessarily need McLean for his plan, I guess. He kind of does, but he also kind of doesn't. It could be just anybody. Like, I, it really does feel like he's just toying with him, I guess. I guess that's the reason to make it Hans Gruber's brother. Right. Is to give some reason why John McClane is involved in this. Well, and to justify the playing around with him, because that's his vengeance. You know, it's die hard with a vengeance. Right, yeah. So, so uh, they, he says, you know, you got to do this. And he, I, I assume that he thinks it's possible that he could die. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's a few different times I think he thinks it's possible that he could die, and he's kind of irritated that he continues to survive. Right. Uh, so... Samuel Jackson, where we're introduced to Samuel Jackson, who hates white people. And <laughs> it's such a weird character arc to give to Samuel L. Jackson. Or to give to, I mean, not him particularly as an actor, but just, it's a weird character arc for, for anyone in a movie like this. Like, it's an action movie, it's mostly concerned with that, and it's like, let's have a character who's black who hates white people, and then eventually he learns to trust one. Right. Like, it's just weird. But, um, so he comes up and he's like, hey, you know, you want to die? What are you doing? And uh, Bruce Willis says, look, I'm a cop. Uh, this is, you know, I've been forced to do this. The guy that blew up the building said he's going to blow up something else if I don't do this. And he's like, oh, fuck. You know, there's a, a group of guys that have a basketball. They're not playing basketball. They're just kind of they're hanging out at the on a brownstone, you know, mm-hmm. just like talking to each other. But all of a sudden, like their basketball, they're like bouncing around, passing back and forth to each other, and everything bounces into the street, and you hear one of them go, "What the fuck?" <laughs> and then they all start coming on him. And another thing I think is dumb is he has his gun taped to his back. Yeah, there's no way he could reach it. Yeah, why is that there? I mean, it was that, did Simon say, you also have to have your gun taped to your back? In a place that you cannot reach it? Yeah, like, was that was that part of it? Did he do that because he was like, well, maybe I'll be able to defend myself in case I have to? Like, what was the deal with that? I, I don't know. It was ridiculous. So Samuel Jackson pulls the gun, uh, gets slashed in the arm by uh, one of the guys that's got a knife. And um, and he says, hey, you know, get the fuck off. He's crazy or whatever. The police or they they commandeer a um, a cab cab. And then and then they go to the police station where they get fixed up. And then Simon calls again. And he's like, oh, Samuel Jackson, you're part of this, too. Now, yeah, he kept calling him the Samaritan because yeah. he saved him. Although which, he's not from Sumeria. No, he. Oh, uh, well, his name is Zeus. Yeah, <laughs> his name is Zeus. And. He said the only reason that he he helped him was because if a white cop got killed in Harlem, mm-hmm. there'd be a thousand more white cops 
killing everybody the next day. Yeah, which makes sense. Yeah. I mean, that is probably the way it would happen. So they go on a series of quests, <laughs> like a video game, right? Uh, where basically Simon Gruber is the Riddler because <laughs> he's just giving them riddles. Uh, like, uh, it's an older riddle, the St. Ives riddle, as I was walking to St. Ives, I met a man with seven wives and all this stuff, how many people were going to St. Ives. It's just the guy. Mm. So they solve that one because uh, Samuel Jackson's good at riddles. They uh, they solve a riddle about um, two ga- you know putting four gallons of water into a five gallon jug when you only have a five and a three gallon <laughs> jug. I think I would have died. <laughs> well, I I solved that one. I told you this. Yeah. Well, if one. we were partners in it, then I had been okay. But if I were there by myself, I wouldn't have figured that shit out. But anyway, so. It's it's weird because it, it is like he's the Riddler. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens is he tells them he's got to make it to this uh, certain payphone at this certain amount of time or a bomb's going to go off on a subway train. It ends up going off. Uh, you know, uh, John McClane throws it out the uh, the back of the back of the subway car and it explodes. Everyone's saved like he saves everybody. But there's a giant explosion underneath there. It wreaks havoc. Right down in Wall Street. And they they clear everybody out. The, the, all the cops are, are there and every, everything. They clear everyone out from under the subway. And you can see right down into the subway. And then Simon calls and says, hey, I've placed a bomb in a school somewhere. Yeah, somewhere it, in New York City. It's there's as he, as he points out, there's 1,446 schools in New York. It's in one of them. And if you can find it, you know, you, you have till three o'clock to find it. You got to, you know, got to go ahead. You know, if 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 John McClane goes through all, all the stuff, he'll end up figuring out where it's at. So you're cool. And that's supposed to be like, you know, do more of my my things. Right. So that's the whole plot to the movie, basically. Um, And what it turns out is much like in the first movie, they're not terrorists or whatever. They want to steal gold. They want to steal gold from the Federal Reserve, which is down there on Wall Street. And all the cops are now gone from Wall Street because they're all looking in schools all over the place. McLean figures it out. And we're basically just flat out told by two federal agents Mm -hmm. that uh, this guy is Simon Gruber, Hans Gruber's brother and everything. And that should be basically the end of the movie or, or, or the beginning of the third act. But it seems like it's the end of the first act and the beginning of the rest of the movie. Yeah, and and that's where it all goes to hell. Because the pacing of the movie up until that point's really good. You know, it's 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 got a it's got a fast pace, but it's not too breakneck and everything. Once we find out who he is and what the plan is, and they start enacting the plan and loading up the dump dump trucks and everything, then everyone kind of like just faffs around for an hour doing nothing like it's like it's like they don't know what to do with these characters Mm -hmm. it's like they wrote the script and they said it's gonna take them time to get this gold out of here what can they do while they're getting the gold out of there let's have them go to the park (laughs) you know it's it's weird yeah and ridiculous uh, but yeah, that's uh, and then you know so eventually what what you think happens is going to happen, 
they, you know, John McClane figures it out. They chase him down. He one by one kills all uh, his dudes. They they end up all his dudes. Yeah, they end up finding him, uh, having sex with uh, one of the <laughs> one of the women, and then uh, John McClane ends up killing them all, and and we're good. Yeah, and he and Samuel Jackson become friends. That's basically the movie. But yeah, the, the like I said, the pacing of the first hour is good, and then after that, it's like they had no idea what to do. We forgot about the most interesting part, in my opinion, of the next part of the movie when the bomb was supposedly in Samuel L. Jackson's nephew's school. Right. And for some reason, his nephews decide that they're not going to go with everybody else when they're doing this mm-hmm. drill because they had been told that they can't evacuate the schools. So mm-hmm. they took all the kids in, like, through some tunnels in the basement. Yeah. And. These kids get locked inside a classroom where they're playing cards. How the fuck does that happen? They hid behind the desk and no one saw them, I guess. That's so you don't, stupid. Teachers didn't, don't know their students. They didn't count heads. They didn't call attendance. They didn't make sure that everyone was there. So right when the bomb's about to explode, they realize these kids are still in the building. Mm-hmm. And then there's some guy working trying to disarm the bomb. And it, he kind of, like, decides he's going to sacrifice himself and stay to try to disarm it because right. the kids are in there. And yeah. In the end, I mean, they would have freaking died because the bomb would have gone off, and it turns out the bomb is syrup. Yeah. Cherry syrup. Um, yeah, that was that was the one bit of tension in the second half of the mm-hmm. movie. And that's it, honestly. Everything else was just like, oh, someone else is getting killed? Okay. Right. Yeah, it was pretty boring. I mean, you might as well have gone down on me for the second half of the movie. Might as well. <laughs> I'm sure no one in the theater would have minded. No, no. Everyone else was, you know, transfixed <laughs> by the movie. No, it was, it was, I don't know. It, it was, it's hard to say because the first part was good. The first part was really good. Yeah. But the second part was really bad or or at least really boring. Not bad. Necessarily, and not like a poorly made movie bad, but just really boring and meandering. Yeah. Until we get to maybe the last 10 minutes. And then it's, you know, it's the last 10 minutes is fine, but it's like we we all know what's going to happen. They, they, they blew their load too early. Yes. Because they told us everything we needed to know an hour into the movie. What their real plan was who this guy was, what his relationship to McLean was. Everything was answered in the, in at the hour mark. And after that, it was just like, okay, well, we got to kill another hour till we can, you know, till we can have McLean have his final confrontation with Simon Gruber, this guy we super care about for some reason. <laughs> right. And the, I don't even know what their plan was. It's like $140 billion worth of gold bars because it's the Federal Reserve and it's like it's all these different countries' reserves basically mm-hmm. of gold. Um, and he says, Simon Gruber says, that some Middle Eastern guy or whatever, despot, I, I'm guessing it's supposed to be Hussein or something like Saddam Hussein or something like that. Maybe. But anyway, he says that he thinks he's going to make a lot of money if the gold is gone. I guess because oil will be more valuable because it'll replace gold. I don't know. Um, it doesn't make a lot of sense because oil is valuable for its use, not, you know, its scarcity and, and what it's used for, how much demand there is for energy. Right. But whatever. So 
uh, he's supposed to sink it to the bottom of the the the, the East River, wherever the hell they are. Uh, but he did, but instead of doing that, he sinks some worthless metal, and they end up stealing the gold. Now he used to be uh, part of some German paramilitary force. Uh, they said that he was doing like Battle of the Bulge type stuff, where they would go in and you know like American accents and stuff like that infiltration, which. I have no idea how anyone ever fell for that because, as you said, their accents are terrible. Right. But w- also, what, where, when? Germany hasn't had a military since the end of World War II. When was he in the military? When was he in this German military? And when was any German military organization doing any kind of uh, infiltration techniques? During what conflict? For what reason? It makes no sense. And then they're like, oh, you know, we were an army without a country. Now we're going to have to figure out what country we're going to buy. What are you talking about? Where, why were you an army without a country? They're supposed to be like mercenaries and stuff like that. But it's like, who's hiring an entire, because it's not like him and a couple other guys. It's like, not like they're hired assassins. It's like, hey, we we need this political hit done. They are a literal army. There's hundreds of them. And it's like, who's hiring that? Hey, I need 500 guys to go into a war zone. Who's who's hiring that out? Right. I mean, it makes it makes no sense. So none of his backstory or what they were planning on doing with this money or why they wanted it or anything really made any sense. I mean, just greed. I guess. But yeah, it's it's pretty stupid. What country could they buy with 140 billion dollars, by the way, do you think? No country. I think they could buy. Hmm. Countries aren't for sale. You Tan- can't buy a country. Tanzania. You can't buy a country. It's messed up. Bhutan. No, Bhutan's got a lot of money. Uh, I don't know, but I. I Somalia. You could. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that one. That you. You could also. You Kosovo. You could also. Um, Estonia. There you go. Estonia, you could buy Estonia. Okay. Russia would sell Estonia. Sure. And Russia doesn't own Estonia anymore. Um, <laughs> but you could. Uh, I, I I think by buy a country they mean like buy all the land or most of the land in the country. Yeah, or they just mean or buy have, their way into it, or have a revolt. You know, yeah, buy their way into it and then revolt against, like you know, stage a revolt against whatever governments there and make their own dictatorship. Maybe that's what they wanted to do. Maybe they wanted to establish. <gasps> maybe they wanted uh, uh, a black man and a white man or whatever to establish a new nation. Remember? <laughs> yes. Maybe that's what they were looking to do. <laughs> anyway, it's not good. No, but it doesn't matter because they don't win. That's true. They don't. <laughs> That'd be a really weird ending if they won. You know what? Even if they did blow up all the money, people could still get it. The river is not like a bottomless pit, and they would because it's a lot of fucking money. Mm-hmm. It would be worth it to dredge it. And yeah, get no it. shit. Agreed. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense because, yes, gold is soft. Like, pure gold is a soft metal and everything. But you can't just disintegrate it. Right. Like, yeah. it doesn't work like that. Not well thought out. No. But yeah, that's the movie. I have nothing else to say about it. Me either. 
It's no good. Don't 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 do it. <laughs> Wait for it to come out on video. Go see, and then you can you know engage in fellatio. Go <laughs> in the comfort of your own home. That's right. That's 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 what it's all about. Go see. I don't know something else instead. What was the last good movie we saw? Um. Oh, it's been so long. Right. I can't even think. We better find a good one for next week. Oh my god. I think next week we're watching Batman. That's not good. The Batman movie. You don't know. I know. It's a superhero movie. I know you're not a big fan. No. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. We could watch Congo. That's getting really bad reviews. <laughs> maybe we'll love it. Yeah, maybe. Oh, well. Who? What, what should we watch, guys? Should we watch Congo or Batman and whatever? Maybe you guys should save us from it and email us and tell us some old 80s movie you want us to review instead. Yeah, there you go. Late fee, 1994 at AOL.com. All right. Well, that is it for us. Uh, I don't know. Tell them something. Leave us the stars and the likes and tell your friends and keep listening and all that good stuff. All right. We'll see you later. Bye. Bye.